Thank you for listening to this trailer. And if you'd like to listen to the full episode, please subscribe to our newsletter called Venture Notes. And amongst a few other things, such as discount codes to events and tools, you get early access to our upcoming podcast agenda and full replays. See you very soon on Venture Notes, venturenotes.co. Before we move into the show today, ActionDesk is the easiest way for startup teams to make better decisions with their data. With most business intelligence tools on the markets, you have to write SQL or learn a clunky interface. Tableau, Metabase, and the likes are powerful but complex to use. Exploring data and building new reports require a level of expertise beyond most business users, and it's not worth the time of engineering and data teams. ActionDesk makes exploring your database or data warehouses data easy. If you know how to use Google Sheets or Excel, you'll know how to use ActionDesk. Instead of uh, writing SQL, you can just use spreadsheet formulas. That is exactly what I really like about ActionDesk. You can access your data in a spreadsheet and give autonomous access to the company data to any business user in a no-code tool. If you're in operations, marketing, sales, or customer support and have a question about your business, instead of asking your engineering or data team, just answer the question yourself with ActionDesk and a few spreadsheet formula. With ActionDesk, you can answer in a few minutes questions like how much revenue did we have yesterday? What's our sales breakdown by region or supplier? How many deals entered a specific deal stage last week? How many customer requests take more than 58 hours to respond to? You will definitely love ActionDesk for its spreadsheets feel. You can try and test different things run small-scale analysis and access all of your database and data warehouse data live. Most of all, you will love the feeling of flexibility and power it gives you. So if you want to save time to analyze your data and make better decisions for your business, head to actiondesk.io to enjoy two months free and tell that you're coming from upcoming VC. 2020 has turned the music industry on its head and taken away a key source of income for musicians. Because of this, artists have been seeking new methods to interact and develop with their audiences, which has led to the creation of NFT marketplaces, which provide numerous benefits to the artists. NFTs, also known as crypto collectibles, are one-of-a-kind assets that use blockchain technology to establish scarcity and value on one-of-a-kind artworks connecting the virtual and real worlds. Founded in Paris in March 2021, Pianity is the first French music NFT marketplace where artists and fans gather to create, collect and trade unique digital artworks guaranteed by the blockchain technology. Through NFTs, Pianity vows to restore music's art status and ensure a new income stream to artists helping them become more independent, doing what they love. This is also a social platform that encourages discovery and creativity, as collecting is intrinsically social. In this new Runway Series Originals episode, I had a lot of fun receiving Kevin Primiserio, Pianity's CEO and co-founder, who has a fascinating and versatile background, which has led him to start Pianity. In this issue, Kevin shares everything on his background from being passionate about space, research, physics, and his haha moment that brought him to entrepreneurship. His first months at 42, also known as Ecole 42, a one-of-a-kind self-paced coding school, and how 42 entrepreneurs started, the hook genesis, being 42 entrepreneurs startup accelerator, how they iterated and what's next, the rationale of building Pianity and how Pianity intends to solve the problems Spotify has created. Why would you go and buy an NFT? 
and what are the benefits for the artist of joining Pianity. You'll also learn more about the traction since launch, their past fundraise, and the upcoming utility token sales and the rights attached to the tokens for both the artists and the collectors, and other very insightful takes. I'm sure you love this episode, we have a lot to cover, so enjoy this episode right now. In this first part, Kevin shares a lot about his academic background and details his kind of personal pivot from physical research and PhD to business and entrepreneurship. I grew up in a, in a small city in the east of France, uh, in Thionville, and my main passions at the time were uh, music because I played the piano. I played actually for 12 years. Um, I also played tennis and I was uh, really, really interested uh, in science from, from the beginning, really like uh, captivated by the, uni the universe in general and by astronomy, uh, for example. Um, and then I wanted, uh, you know, to, uh, to continue with my passion for, for space. And so that's why I decided uh, to do um, to do like um, uh, to do my studies in uh, in, uh, in that space, and and the, my goal at the time was to become a researcher uh, in physics. So from from the beginning, I was interested in, in physics and wanted to be a researcher. So just just after um, the uh, the baccalaureate, uh, I went to uh, you know like the, the French class preparatoire, and actually my feelings there was a bit odd because most people there. I didn't really care about physics or about uh, research or whatever. They were here because um, they knew that after class preparatoire, you can go to a, a big school and then uh, you can uh, become an auditor for a large company or a consultant. And it was not my, my goal at all. So I felt a bit uh, not in my place um, during these two years. Um, and after that, I arrived in Paris and I went uh, to... Um, To, uh, to Orsay, which, which is a, a university uh, specialized in physics. Um, and there for the first time, actually, I, I felt in my place because I was uh, with 100 people that were all passionate by the same thing as me. Uh, we actually, like the universe, talk about space, about uh, particle physics, about whatever. Um, and, and there, like for, for three years, uh, I learned a lot uh, about physics in general, Um, physics of the universe, but also physics, uh, particle physics, um, and everything else. Um, and so at that time, I actually went uh, to the US for a year uh, in Austin, Texas. And um, until then, I was really only interested by research. Um, but my roommate uh, in, uh, in the US uh, was in business school. And talking with him was really interesting. We would talk about startups, we would talk about science. Um, and actually, I think uh, this guy gave me um, some interest uh, into uh, into the business side of the things. And I came, when I came back to um, to France, um, I didn't want it to be like a physics researcher anymore. And I was looking, you know, like to other uh, maybe other paths I could take or other other direction I could take. And the problem with physics uh, is if you become a researcher in that field, you are kind of trapped. Uh, especially, uh, you know, if you are like in applied physics and you work with like big instruments and stuff like that. Um, so uh, I was I was actually a bit lost at at that time. So I, I tried to to find how I could uh, change uh, change my topic and how I could uh, change my career. 
And I find out that um, when you do physics, and in particular, uh, when you do fundamental physics like I did, um, people in uh, finance, and in particular in trading, are really interested uh, in your skills uh, because uh, you are um, used to manipulate data. Uh, and actually, in, uh, in finance, there is a lot of data uh, right now. Everything is about data and data science and data analysis. Um, so that's why with my internships, um, I, I was doing physics applied to uh, economy uh, in, uh, in the first year of, of my master's degree. Um, and it's actually during that internship that I learned about 42 because it was in 2013. So the year uh, that 42 opened. And I was really interested in coding because in, phys in physics and in science in general, you do a lot of coding, but no one teaches you how to code. You're just learning by yourself. And in the end, you produce a code that is not really clean and you don't have the good habits that developers have. Um, so out of curiosity, I just uh, tried the online, online tests uh, for 42. I actually got uh, selected for like the famous PC um, and, uh, and, um, and actually, uh, it was then in 2014 because I took just one year to reflect. And so in 2014, um, during my second year of, of master, I decided to do the piscine. Um, and at that time, I already decided to do a PhD. So I knew that in September, I would start the PhD. Uh, but I was like, okay, let's just learn uh, code uh, properly, like for one month at 42. So my ambition was just to do the piscine, but not really to do 42. Um, and so I entered uh, 42 in August um, and I knew no one. It was really like going, going somewhere and you know one. Uh, I just took a seat in front of one computer and then it was just amazing because, um, so for me it was a bit easy because it was not the first time I was in front of a computer and, and it was not the first time I saw a terminal and, and I was uh, coding in C. Um, and then, but around me there were like really, really different kind of people. Uh, for example, on my on my right, there was someone um, who just got, got out of high school and actually uh, he skipped two classes. So he was like 16 year old. And then on my left, there was someone who actually tried different things, but never find uh, his right path or his right career. So he was maybe like 21 or 22 uh, with no background. And then behind me, there was someone who was uh, like a wood engineer. Um, and so he was bored with his, with his work and he was like, maybe I should try it for So really, really different background. And actually we spent the month together and I really enjoyed uh, 42 and the way you learn how to code. Um, and so I decided after that uh, to, uh, to try to do the PhD and 42 at the same time. And I was like, if I don't manage to do it, then I would just quit 42. And what is really interesting about um, the PhD and 42 is you don't really have, uh, you know, like you don't really have a, a schedule. You can work on your PhD whenever you want. You can go to 42 whenever you like. So I would go like four days a week uh, to the PhD and then three days a week uh, to 42. And I tried to manage with both at the same time. So that's how um, I, I ended up doing both. My main takeaway from 42 is the fact that because when you are in a, you know, I, I did a really academic, academic, uh, academic studies. So like class preparatory and then, and then, uh, and then the faculty, and then I went to the US. And, and when you are in this kind of environment, you're always with the same kind of people. 
and you think it's like normal uh, to be with uh, this kind of people. Uh, one year at 42, I was really like, it was really amazing to, to be with people I would never have been with um, in my kind of environment, like creative people, um, people who did like business school, people who did psychology, people who did anything, uh, people without a degree, people from anywhere in France and even in the world. Uh, so my main takeaway, and I think it's really valuable to hook uh, right now, is uh, talented people, so you can come from anywhere. And, uh, and so that's why, and that's why I think it's in 42 that you can find, okay, the best developers, but also the best uh, creative people. And I think, and also the most curious people. And I think like this, these three kind of, uh, of, um, of competencies are, are really necessary uh, for entrepreneurship and are really like uh, an advantage uh, when you start, you want to start building your company. In this part, you'll learn everything about the genesis and the future of 42 Entrepreneurs, the association backing founders from Ecole 42. So the, the story of 42 Entrepreneurs is a bit for me to, uh, is a bit funny uh, to me. Um, so what happened is after a few months at 42, I bumped into someone that I knew actually from, from physics. Um, who actually decided to do the same as me and to go to uh, 42 and, and learn coding. And he actually wanted to build uh, the entrepreneurship uh, society uh, at 42. And so since we bumped into each other, he told me about it, he asked me if I, if I would be interested. And then he said, oh, and I already contacted um, Société Générale and they'd like to partner with us, but I don't know how to talk to them. And since you have a finance background, maybe you can be in charge of partnerships. So that's how it all started. Um, so that was, I think, end of 2014 or be beginning of 2015. So about one year after I joined, uh, we decided to fund uh, 40 entrepreneurs. And at the beginning, I was, I was in charge of partnership uh, with, uh, with Société Générale. Um, and after that, and he was actually the president. And after that, uh, he decided uh, to leave. And I started uh, being the, the, the president of the association. And... Um, and yeah, so the idea of, of 42 Entrepreneur uh, was uh, to really uh, try to vulgarize uh, entrepreneurship at 42 uh, for many reasons. First, even us, we were not really uh, good at it or we didn't understand anything about entrepreneurship. So we are actually learning uh, by doing and learning by uh, organizing the events that would actually interest us. And because it was interesting to us, we thought it would be interesting for, for like anyone interested in, in entrepreneurship in this group. Um, and so the, the three main goals uh, of 42 Entrepreneur were first uh, to uh, really like take entrepreneurship from the start. So even if you don't know anything about, about entrepreneurship, even if you're just curious, you don't even have a project, you could come to our events. Um, and it was like free for anyone. All the events are open to anyone. That was from the start and it's still the case today. Uh, then the second goal is if you had a project, uh, then we could help you uh, put you in touch uh, with some people. So at the beginning, we had a small network, but the network was growing and we were able to, uh, to, uh, to put uh, our, our startups or our project in contact with much, much more people. Um, and then uh, the last goal, uh, was uh, to help you uh, recruit a student from 42 itself. 
So we, we try to, you know, like to have this synergy with the school itself. Uh, and as the years uh, went by, we tried, you know, like to build uh, this funnel and to, to build, um, to build for the two entrepreneurs so that we could help you go further and further into entrepreneurship. And at some point, we almost reached, you know, like the, enter, like the, the fundraising point. We are like going from the idea to the fundraising. Um, and we started to have uh, great alumni uh, such as uh, Side, such as Crips, such as Clevy, and many more. Um, and, and so at this time, the idea of who uh, started, you know, to, uh, to come, it was at the beginning, it was just, oh, we should go further, but we don't really see how to do it. Uh, the idea was just, okay, how can we go to the next step? How can we uh, help the startup even more? So at some point, the school came to us and said, okay, there are many entrepreneurs uh, in the school uh, that want to do their internship uh, in, the, in their own startup, but it's not allowed yet. Uh, so right now they have to decide or they do their internship, uh, a real internship in a company, um, or they have to quit the school uh, in order uh, to build uh, their own startup because, um, because the entrepreneurship was mandatory as well. So the school came to us and said, okay, since you are the entrepreneurship association, maybe you can help us with that. And maybe you can be in charge of these people and you can um, follow them for six months. And if everything goes well, then they get the credit for the internship. So out of nowhere, we started, um, we started helping startups uh, on the long run, like for six months, like an accelerator or like uh, an incubator would be. And at first we had one or two startups and then in about six to 12 months, we started to have five, 10, 15 startups. And that was also the trigger for Hook because when we had 15 startups, we were like, okay, we are doing this on the side. It's, uh, we are doing it for free. It's, it's supposed to be uh, something that takes a few hours uh, a week, but it's starting to take a few hours a day. Um, maybe it's time to think about something bigger. Credibility was a, was a big deal, especially for Hook and we'll probably talk about it later. Uh, but for 42 entrepreneurs, actually it was a group of friends. Um, there were no really, there were no really anything um, to worry about for us. So what we did uh, was simple. We would talk to people uh, like we would talk to a friend. Uh, we would try, try to help them as much as we could and to the point we couldn't help. And then at that point, we, we tried to, uh, to do our intros uh, with people from our network. So our goal was always, okay, what are the problem? Can we answer the problem? And if not, uh, can we put them in contact with someone? And actually it was easier for us to build our network than for a startup because we could go to anyone and say, okay, we are the entrepreneurship society of 42. Uh, right now we are starting to have a lot of questions about this subject. Um, do you want to partner with us? Uh, and it, it worked like for anything. For uh, we, we managed to have a list of, I think like 50 to 60 different uh, perks and advantages with, with many peoples. Um, and, and we managed to build a, a big network on this. And so basically 42 entrepreneurs was a lot about interest. So we would introduce our startup to a lot of people. Actually, we would even learn from those in, in, interests ourselves so that we could go further with the startup um, the next time. In this part, Kevin shares how they started Hook, how they managed to help four batches of founders from Ecole 42, why and how they have raised 2.5 million euros to power up their accelerator, and what they want to accomplish from now on. So in 2018, 42 entrepreneurs were 
was starting to be really, really serious. Um, but I was still doing like 40 entrepreneur, 42, my, my PhD thesis. Um, and I also had a side project we didn't talk about, but I was also try, trying to build uh, companies at the same time that way. So I was always doing multiple things at the same time. And the problem with that is I didn't really have focus. Um, and in January uh, 2019, I had uh, quite a bit, uh, a bit accident. Uh, and I was in the hospital for a few months. Thank you for listening to this trailer. And if you'd like to listen to the full episode, please subscribe to our newsletter called VentureNotes, venturenotes.co.